Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Champions League Takeaway. We're back for an extra episode to look back at the two Champions League semi-final second legs. We have just witnessed Manchester City demolish Real Madrid 4-0. The Etihad's to book their place in the showpiece event in Istanbul at the start of June. And yesterday we saw Inter dispatch Milan 1-0 to win 3-0 on aggregate in the derby della Madonnina and book their flights as well to Turkey. We have a Manchester City versus Internazionale final on our hands, which is incredibly exciting. We're going to look through all the games here. My name is Jack Collins, and I'll be your host today. And I'm joined by the full rank squad, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, all good, mate. All good. That was pretty mad. 
Yeah, that was pretty mad. And of course, the rank god, Mr. Samtai. How you doing, mate? Very well, mate. Thank you very well indeed. Yeah, what a game that was, Dean. Uh, Coventry defended well, didn't they? And they're into the playoff final. I assume that's what you meant. <laughs> Did actually have Coventry uh, against Middlesbrough on at the same time, to be fair. Um, I was expecting a Middlesbrough-Sunderland final. Lads. It's gone the complete other way. There's Luton v Coventry in the playoff final to reach the Premier League. But we'll do that on another show, I think. We'll just save the Champions <laughs> League for tonight because those two teams are a little far away from that right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, it's all very exciting. Bad scheduling, I would say, from the Championship playoff oh. organisers to whack it on the second legs of the Champions League semi-finals. Struggle to watch <laughs> both of them, uh, at least on the main screen. Let's start, though, with tonight's game. Let's start with Manchester City. Dean, we're going to take a takeaway each from this game, so you can start us off tonight. Mate, it was 4-0. That's it. You've just beaten Real Madrid 4-0. This is absolutely ridiculous. And this is why I changed my mind, obviously, in the se- as we got to the semi-final stage, as we were headed into it, we started talking about the preview of the round and who we thought were the favourites for it. I was like, I have to change my mind. I've backed Real Madrid throughout the season, but I've had to take a step back and review this decision. And there is nothing telling me that Man City don't get through this tie. And I said, it's all because... The Etihad. We get to Etihad. It's 1-1. They've absolutely played him off the park. I saw Sam Lee from The Athletic tweet at halftime that he had WhatsApp messages from different people saying, I think this is the best Man City have ever played under Pep Guardiola. Was it under Pep or was it just ever? Was it under? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, don't that, think it, it has to be under Pep. I think it was because, under I mean, Pep. I think it was literally just in the history of the football club. Well, I mean, all of their best footballs come under Pep in their entire yeah. history, so it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, it they've 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 somehow set a new bar for themselves in that first half. Um, it was absolutely ridiculous the way that they managed to control the game and assert themselves but it was completely in sync with everything else that we've seen from Man City over the course of this this calendar year in terms of their home form. But what I really want to like home in on here is a, a moment in the game that I felt just epitomised why City are a different beast now. Um, so obviously they, they go ahead, they're, they're 1-0 up um, in command and then Real Madrid get a breakaway and Vinicius Jr. starts to go. And he gets a yard on Kyle Walker and you're like, here we go. Game on. It's going to be 1-1. So Kyle Walker faced with Vinicius Jr. one-on-one like this. And he's a yard off him. Suddenly keeps pace, catches up with him, doesn't even tackle him, just turns away with the ball. And off he goes. Literally walks away with the ball. And Vinicius is like, huh? What's going on? What are you doing? Honestly, I feel like that moment encapsulates everything that has changed about Man City in terms of the the mindset they now have, the confidence they now have, and to be honest, the, the chance they have of actually going on to win this competition. I mean, if you think a year ago when Fernandinho was turned into a meme because Vinny skinned him uh, in about the same area of the pitch, might have been a bit wider, but, you know, left him for dead, absolutely killed him. And now here you are with Kyle Walker who, to be honest, you might not have expected a month ago to even be capable of this because as Guardiola said in April that Kyle Walker cannot play in Man City's current system. He literally said that about him. And and Kyle Walker was asked about this 
recently and he was like look it hurt me I can't lie I can't say that, that didn't hurt because you start to doubt yourself in moments like that and he, he was dropped um, for the Bournemouth game that they had and he was left out for a few games after that as well he was on the bench against Leipzig he was on the bench against Bayern Munich he looked like Kyle Walker was like being phased out of the team but he just started Man City's most important matches in the season possibly the most important matches in their history and he's kept Vinicius Jr. at bay, particularly in that one key moment at 1-0. And then City go up the other end a few minutes later and they go 2-0 up. Um, there's barely anyone that can do that, barely anyone that has done that. So, yeah, I think it was a huge moment in the game. Carl Walker's gone back to basics a little bit recently and he's just heard him say, kind of like, just start defending like he used to do rather than worry about all the other facets that he's learned in his game. He's just gone back to doing what is best about him. He's fast and he could defend. And yeah, he's certainly won over his manager. I just felt it was a really key moment that probably in the fact that they've gone and scored four goals in the game might have been forgotten. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. There's also kind of the added bit on that, that if Nathan Arke hadn't got injured, Kyle Walker might well not have been playing. Like, he is potentially only in this side. Well, not necessarily only. That's that's a probably doing him a, a major disservice. But yeah, the reason the he has started these two well. games is because Nathan Arke has got injured. Now Pep could have thrown a you know a, a, a differential in there if Arke hadn't been injured and started Carl Walker anyway. But considering how mm. this team looked and how settled they looked with Nathan Arke at left back and a Kanji at right back, there's good reason to believe that he wouldn't have played this game without injuries. And that's just another kind of string to the City dominance bow, isn't it? It's the, the fact that a key player can get injured and City sort of shrug. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'll bring Carl Walker back in. He's, you know, anyone else in the entire world, you'd argue, well, maybe four or five teams in the world that Carl Walker wouldn't start for. And yeah. this is a backup right back. And, and, and that's yeah. something to, to look at. I think he was linked with Aston Villa about four weeks ago. Now he's heading into the Champions League final. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is a guy that's like, no. No, 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 no. I'll be all right. Just let me play. I'll be all right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let him talk, as Kevin De Bruyne once said. Uh, I want to take it on from there and talk about the man who played in front of him, actually, uh, Bernardo Silva, because big game Bernie came out to play again. Mm -hmm. And this is one of my favourite things in football. I mistakenly, a few years ago, once said that Bernardo Silva would be the first player to win multiple Ballon d'Ors after Messi and Ronaldo. (laughs) I was wrong about that. You've been wrong about a lot of things, mate, so don't worry too much. That is true. I wasn't wrong about the talent and ability to shine on the big stage that Bernardo Silva has. Can we just talk about his last goals in the Champions League? They're all big knockout games. He scored twice tonight against Real Madrid in the semi-final. He scored against Bayern in the quarterfinal. He scored against Real Madrid in the semi-final last year. He scored against Sporting twice in the round of 16 that year. All of his last nine goals for City in the Champions League have come in the knockout stages. You look at Bernardo in the big games, we all remember that big game against Liverpool, the kind of title decider as it was billed, where he was the best player on the park. He was the best player on the park again tonight. And you look at the way that he steps up in these situations, it's like the the lights get really bright and he goes, ooh, 
I'm going to turn into Lionel Messi for a little while. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, look, the way he takes both goals, the first one, the composure to go back across yourself there after Courtois has just made one of the best saves I've ever seen from an Erling Haaland header going back across himself. You know, the, the, the audacity to go near post and to lift it the way he does is stunning. And then the header is so incredibly perfectly placed. It's like that he makes it look, I think this is the, the kind of nicest way of putting it, he makes it look so simple. He makes it look like it's a chance he should score. You watch it back, and you're like, you have no right to score there. Alaba's <laughs> on the line. <laughs> Alaba is able to, to make these yeah. blocks. We saw Alaba make multiple, like, not goal line necessarily, but clearances within the six-yard box tonight in the last-ditch moments. Bernardo Silva has just sort of slapped back, watched this looping ball come, and just nodded it over him. It is just stunning, and it summed up a first half that was... Fulham eventually actually started really badly. The first time he got the ball, he let it run out of play. Um, But but from there, he just dropped another one of these Bernie masterclasses that come around in the big games. And I've just got to say, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's funny, actually. Now, we're watching City at the moment, watching every game they play because it's always on TV. It's always a big game. You know, there's this gauntlet in the title run and then the, the Champions League and the FA Cup and stuff. Like, every game seems like a high profile game. And, yeah, every game it feels like there's a different focal point to the way City are playing. It wasn't that long ago that they were playing and the right side was completely and utterly ignored. It was all down the left. Uh, it was Bernardo drifting over to the left and overlapping with Grealish. And Gundogan obviously being a huge part of that game. I can't remember exactly who that was against, but it was in the Premier League. Um, it was Everton, actually. It was Everton. And then this one, of course, against Real Madrid, you got it was all going down the right. The whole thing's being funneled down the right because it's all going into Bernardo Silva and, and, and Kyle Walker's coming into play a bit more. It's like that variety, man, like that ability to, to switch around and, you know, change playmakers, change emphasis, pick a different third of the pitch vertically to, to basically attack through. It's pretty remarkable for a team to be able to, to have that many, as you kind of say, Jack, strings to their bow. Yeah, I mean, I, what I thought was interesting was that De Bruyne vacated his usual sort of half space on the right-hand side for long periods of this game. He actually drifted left a lot. There was a lot of Gundogan and De Bruyne linking up and leaving sort of Rodri as the, the base on the right, if you will. And actually, it, all it did was open up space for Bernardo. And I thought it was a really interesting little tactical tweak that you know might have might have been intentional, might have just been De Bruyne's game intelligence, realizing that he's he's able to drift into those spaces and make things happen. It happened far less in in the second half. You saw De Bruyne start to actually career down that right hand side more and more in the first half, especially when things were so intricate. De Bruyne was on the left hand side of the box, which is not a position you often see him take up. And I I thought that was you know something to do potentially with the fact that every time Bernardo got the ball. It felt like he was going to do something with it. And this little stint on the right wing, obviously he's been moving around positions. He is that wonderful, versatile player. But their little stint on the right wing reminds me of that City run to the FA Cup final a couple of years ago where he, on the right, every time he got the ball, felt like a mini Messi. And it, it does just, he just does have that characteristic. You know, there, there's one thing we say, and you know, I said that there isn't many teams that Kyle Walker wouldn't start for. And I don't think there's a single team on the planet that Bernardo Silva wouldn't start for. And I mean that in the terms of his skill set is so varied. He's also incredibly tenacious. He works really, really hard for his teammates. He tracks back, he tackles, he does everything. And there is sort of no manager, I think, on earth, no matter how they want to play, whether it is, you know, a block 4-4-2 with, with, with backs against the wall 
or the most free-flowing Manchester City side in the world. Bernardo starts for all of them because he is that good and that varied as, as a footballer. And I just wanted to give him his flowers. I think that's fair yeah. enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we, we, could go, we, could go, we could go all day on this, couldn't well, we? I could do an hour on Bernardo Silva, I mean, so it's mean, probably no, time no, I move but, on. <laughs> but not just with Bernardo, but I mean, like, you know, I thought Grealish was, was phenomenal, you know, watching yes, him glide through Real Madrid's entire team and then being too, literally too scared to put a foot out to stop him. He ended up running in straight lines because no one had the balls to try and tackle him. And we could go, John Stones was, was magnificent, were absolutely magnificent once again, as was Rodri, as were so many others. Um, but yeah, anyway, like, Leave it to me, lads, to 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 pick up the Real Madrid baton here, I guess. We'd better mention them because technically they did play a game tonight, although how much they competed they? Is, is is up for debate. Yeah, I mean this was yeah, this was not this was bizarre. This was it was fundamentally weird to watch this. Like, Close had a great shot. He did. <laughs> Alaba had a good free kick. <laughs> he there does, wasn't yeah, much else, did. was there? Um it, no, not too much else. But it was very strange to watch this Real Madrid team, this Real Madrid cast on this kind of stage just get flattened, really. Um, and that kind of got me thinking, guys. I was kind of sat there watching the first half, watching Real Madrid, just unable to get out of their own territory, right? So the, they had no real ability to sort of play the longer ball and skip over the press because Benzema was was really not on it. He's really not fit or sharp or whatever it is. Like he just was, he's not there and he's not able to really bring that ball down and then sort of work it back around or link with players. So they didn't really have a longer option. With Walker tying up Vinicius and Benzema losing his battle, they couldn't really skip over the press. So they kind of had to play through the press. And they didn't really manage to do that either because the defensive and midfield lines were standing on each other's toes and the attacking two were 35 yards or 30 yards further up. You know, the gaps between these lines are really, really inconsistent and the gap between midfield and forward is way too big it's unhealthily big Rodrigo tried a little bit to connect things but didn't really manage it very well I think there was a period in the first half but that was it and otherwise I was found myself I found myself sat there going Madrid need a midfielder who can just take the ball and bulldoze his way through City like you're just gonna have to take it and run my friend in a way that Grealish probably would in a way that Rodri may and I found myself thinking in a way that Jude Bellingham definitely would. And like, it's been playing on my mind a little bit that while Bellingham to Madrid, obviously it makes sense to buy good players. I was always a bit like, oh, they've got Camavinga and Schuermeni and Kroos and Modric is signing an extension, you know. And But tonight I was like, oh, they, need a, they need a player like Jude Bellingham. If they're going to compete against the very best, and that's what we're talking about right here, Manchester City, and they're going to compete for Champions League titles, of which they will have to come up against Manchester City. They bloody need him. They need him. And tonight was the kind of game where you were like, Modric looked old and Kroos was still finding passes that I couldn't dream of, huh. but he couldn't pass them to anybody in particular because he couldn't shake off the shackles. I felt like they needed someone with a big personality and a huge amount of enthusiasm, but also physicality and drive to step in there, take the ball and go, I'm going to run 30 yards with this ball. I'm going to drag us up the pitch. And yeah, yeah, that's Bellingham, isn't it? I see it now. Mm. I absolutely see it. I just found myself watching that game going, Christ, they do need him. They really do. Yeah. I think when I, when the draw was made and I was like, winner gets Jude Bellingham, it's actually the loser that needs him. Like it was the wrong, I, I phrased it wrong. <laughs> like it, if that, you're right. Like it was, it's absolutely clear that, that Real Madrid do need him. Um, and he'll be great. He, he will. He will be great. We said before, like 
a lot would have had to change at Man City if Jude Bellingham arrived, and that that would have been okay. Like they definitely could have uh, adapted to him, and he would have adapted to them and grown with them. But yeah, Madrid, he can go in there and be the full package straight away, can't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, and like so much of it obviously was was down to the City press, right? They they were exceptional off the ball as well as on it, although they weren't off the ball all that much, especially in the first half. But mm. there were periods where you saw Modric and Kroos pinned in their own kind of corners, you know, on the edges of the box, looking for a way out and and dribbling the ball out of play or, or backheeling the ball out of play in Modric's case on a couple of occasions. And mm-hmm. it was like just trying to find some sort of spark to get them through the press and into the, into the third. And it just didn't happen at all. And I, I think that is interesting. And, yeah, perhaps Bellingham is the answer to that. And and perhaps this is the, the start of this evolution. This is not me saying, because I'm, I'm not brave enough to say that Modric and Kroos are, are coming to the, the end of their Indian summers. I don't think anyone's brave enough here to, to actually make that claim. But it maybe needs different elements of things. And especially when the game broke down and really opened up in the second half, it just felt like pinball at times. And then it would bounce back and suddenly Kevin De Bruyne would be steaming down the right wing mm. with nobody chasing mm. him. There was no midfield. For that a while, was a really was weird, weird period of the game, wasn't it? I mean, uh, because everyone was kind of walking around because everyone was knackered because they'd each just done like three transition attacks each. One against the other, against the other, against the other. And everybody was exhausted. It was really... F- Ke- Kevin De Bruyne was knackered. Like yeah. he could barely get into a jog after his third mm. lung-busting run that came to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny to watch because these guys, I know it's been a long season and all that, but like watching 22 professional athletes at top of the game, all simultaneously just like, can we take a minute? <laughs> can we have a water break, please? For the love of everything holy, can we please have a water break? Uh, well, yeah, congratulations to Manchester City. This was not just a win this was an absolute hammering and Mm. they deserved it it maybe could and should have been more this is the thing you know we haven't mentioned the fact that Courtois was probably Real Madrid's man of the match they lost 4-0 that is not a comfortable position to be in if you I was going to talk about Courtois but I decided well the game escaped you really didn't on that yeah (laughs) like early on I was like oh Courtois will be my 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 talking point I think and then City scored. I was like, oh, I'll see how it goes. And then once the fourth had gone in, I was like, I can't talk about Courtois. Tweet at the time saying, our City, after the third really good saves early on, I was like, oh, our City going to come up against one of those Courtois nights? Yeah. You know, they happen sometimes where it he just seems to years, take everything. Yeah. They, st- they came up against one of those Courtois nights and they still scored four goals. Yeah. This was... A masterclass, absolutely totally. sensational for Manchester City. So it's going to take something very, very impressive to stop them. And with that, we should probably move over to the other game in the other semi-final. Inter won Milan nil, which was 3-0 on aggregate for this one. Sam, do you want to take point on this? Because I, I know you've got some aggro with with Milan I mean they pissed me off man like <laughs> I, mean, I don't know I said I don't know how else to say it there are a million other ways to say it that are slightly more polite but what they served up over the course of two legs there in that semi-final in a Champions League semi-final against your fiercest rivals 
it's pretty Cross appalling, city neighbors. isn't it? It's it's a pretty appalling 180 They had to score two goals in the second leg. I don't know if they had two shots. Did they have two shots until? No, they that's had... slightly unfair. They started this game okay, and then after about 20 minutes, they fizzled <laughs> out, and then that was that. They had 20 minutes out of the 180 in the tie. That is not good enough. It's not good enough, no. I mean, look, I mean, my disappointment with them stretches back into the first leg, which I will revisit very briefly for you. They lost Rafa Liao, and I have immense sympathy with them for that. I actually picked them to win the tie based on Rafa Liao, and he was barely present for the entire thing and was literally missing for the first and killer 90 minutes. It's tough. Yeah. And 15 minutes in, you lose Benacer. Also, just like really difficult. And I appreciate that. I do. But I needed to see some kind of tactical reaction. I needed to see some kind of plan B. I needed someone to put something in place to put somebody else in a position to succeed. Teo Hernandez is your next best player. Why is he not plan A, get him the ball? Let's tilt the formation to the right and give Teo some space. Like, why are you not trying this? Do something. Do something. And, you know, added to that, dreadful in midfield and bullied on the halfway line in defence. Into the second leg, defensively, I will say they were better. And I thought Tamori had a good game. They coped a lot better on the halfway line with Jekko and Lautaro. And they stayed in the game for a long time. And they were a bit better in midfield, but not by much defensively. And when Tanali... Ali misses that chance early doors. It's uh, who was it? Was it tonight? Yeah, Brahim. No, Brahim Diaz. Brahim Diaz misses oh, that Brahim's chance. It was missed, like, yeah, yeah. man, that was the big one, wasn't it? That was the mm. big one. But as this game started to drift away from them, again, I saw a lack of personality. So this, the, the problems I saw in the first leg, like, okay, we've got no Liao. Who's stepping up? What's the plan? What are we doing? Nothing. Second heart, second second leg. It's starting to drift away. Sixty minutes. We haven't made the breakthrough yet. The longer the game went on, the less likely they were to score. And that's not the way it's supposed to go at all. You're supposed to be piling on the pressure. You're two down. You're against your fierce rivals. And you've had one shot on target and four in total to answer your question, Dean. Four How shots last yeah. night. One on target, which is the Brahim Diaz chance after 20 minutes. Didn't get a shot on target following that. I mean, it's just, it's just horrendous. And yeah, I got annoyed with them. Like they kept doing this thing where they sort of, they'd work the ball through the, through the defensive phase, they'd build it into the midfielders or Teo would get forward. They get about 40 yards from goal. I'm sure you guys noticed this too. They just kept lumping it into the box. Stop yeah. aimlessly lumping I mean, the ball into Olivier the box. they do have Olivier Giroud, which is probably their plan A of attack yeah, but it's here. Ridic- but... It's ridiculous. Like They get to 40 yards out and rather than be like, I think I'll carry on dribbling or I think I'll start a 1-2 or let's try a wide overload. They're like, I'll just scoop this ball into the box and let Giroud battle a Cherby Bastoni and Darmian at the same time and see if he can win it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it was it was really, really frustrating. Um, and it got me thinking, to actually round off the point, it got me thinking about the most like embarrassing and one-sided semi-finals. Um, you know, over one leg, the other the game tonight actually does hold a candle to this. Um, but over two legs, okay, it's 3-0 but they were never in the game and it's against your bad rivals. I was going, I was considering calling it the worst ever semi-final performance, but that's that would be unfair because Barcelona lost 7-0 to Bayern in aggregate. Uh, Bayern mm. lost 5-0 to Madrid and Schalke got absolutely Thumped, terrorized by they? Manchester yeah. United in 2011. So it's not quite as bad as that, but this is one of the worst and most uninspiring and potentially most embarrassing semi-final performances over 180 minutes that I've I've ever seen and I'm really distraught about it. I, I think if, if you're a Milan fan <laughs> and you have to go into work with a load of Inter fans today or the Wednesday after this game, like I'd be calling a sickie. 
I mean, the Inter fans are probably calling him sicky because they're trying to put flights <laughs> to Istanbul and so they've been no partying all night. Work. So no one went to work. Because <laughs> I would be like, I can't, I cannot go and face those people. My team have embarrassed me that much. Like, I, I think you're right in that what was really strange, I thought, was that over the last couple of rounds in this competition, Milan have been really good at working out their opposition, facing them up. They played a back three against Spurs. Um, and, and they changed it up that way and, and they managed to completely and utterly nullify Spurs across two legs. They then played against Napoli. Right, obviously the formation change happened in the league. It threw a little bit of spanner in the works. It's, it sowed some doubt. Fine. So they played a 4-1-4-1 basically against Napoli and they managed to really, really shackle Napoli's playmakers in loads of different areas. And I thought it was a really impressive performance in so many ways that game because... They managed to limit Napoli's opportunities. Yes, they were missing Ossiman in the first leg, 100%. But they managed to really limit what Napoli brought to the table with a clever tactical tweak. And then they got to this one and they were like, mm, we have played with a three at the back this season. Maybe we should go and level up against Inter and actually try and sort of flatten them out on, on their own turf. Instead, they get overrun pretty much everywhere in the first leg. And they don't really do anything to change it apart from bring Liao in. And I know that's a big if, but you bring Liao in and you leave the same system. You're going to expose the same weaknesses. And to be honest, Inter should have put this to bed way before they did. And, you know, it ultimately took that sort of bizarre strike from Lazaro where he sort of goes under Magnon. The flip of this, I suppose, is that Milan just don't have as good players as Inter do. Like, you look at them up man for man, have these squads... How many Milan players get into a joint 11? I know that's a slightly strange thing to, mm. to put, but I think the answer is maybe four. Yeah, not many, but um, how many Milan players get into Napoli's 11? Not many. You know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's you're, but you're, the comparison you draw is, is right. Like, okay, they don't have the best playing quality. They just, they just don't. But they, that didn't seem to matter too much against Napoli because they were able to overcome it in other ways. Where was this energy for Inter? It, just nothing happened. Mm, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Right, DJ, what you got for us? Yeah, so um, the goal scorer, Lautaro Martinez. Um, I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, I mean, the, the game was such a weird one. I was like, what are we actually going to speak about here? That's going to actually um, give us some insight. Not not really in this game so much, but about how to take this forward and what does it mean for what we're going to get from this team in, in the Champions League final. And I was like, okay, Lautaro, I mean, look at where he is right now. He's, he's a World Cup winner and he's now firing into, into a Champions League final four or five months later. Like, so that's where he's at right now. And I was like, do you know what? Actually, these two things and the way that they're happening are kind of similar. Like, Inter have not been a brilliant team throughout this season. It was a slow start. I like nobody was expecting to see Inter Milan in this final. Okay, maybe people did expect to see Argentina in the World Cup final, but there was obviously a spell where you were like, well, that's not going to happen because they're going out. <laughs> now, Argentina grew into the World Cup and it was, it was a team ethos, wasn't it? It was a, t it was a togetherness. It was a fighting spirit. Um, and it was a way of pulling together and gradually getting better and better and having a, a game plan that got them through moments and they were able to grab the goals that they needed. And I kind of feeling like Inter Milan have, 
had a similar journey in to, towards the Champions League final. And I mean, obviously, like Lattaro was there to grab that goal. And I don't think you'd have wanted the ball falling to anybody else in that moment. No. He must be feeling like this is kind of his destiny right now. He'll feel that this is possible. Look, I'm adamant that, that Inter Milan are not as good as Man City. Um, they're going to have to work. They, logically speaking, have a 20% chance of winning that Champions League final. Like, I really don't give Finals them a high percentage. But they can work so, so hard. They have um, a team principal that they're all on the same page for. And that could help neutralize the gap in class between these sides that undoubtedly exists. So if anyone can actually like find a way of, of stopping Man City, because people are going to write this off now, like it will already be written off. It was like, even before this game, it was like, tonight's game is the real final. Like whoever wins out of Real Madrid is, is the winner. But football doesn't obviously work like that. And Inter have shown they can take big chances. If they've shown they can fight. Quite literally, they've shown they could fight in this game. Um, they've shown a togetherness. They've they've got a lot of experience in their team. Like as individuals, are you going to like compare them one on one with Man City's team and give any of them like the edge? Probably not. But this isn't a group of young upstarts. This is a group of players that have all like earned their pedigree in the game. They've earned their credit in the game. So yeah, like. I'm really interested to see what they try to do now in the final, but it, it all comes down to me for the, the journey that they've been on, that they'll feel that this isn't over and they can go to Istanbul and do this. Mm-hmm. I like the Lautaro. Lautaro is uh, gunning for the Champions League, having won the World Cup, as is Julian Alvarez. One of them will become the 10th yeah. player ever to win the World Cup so, and the Champions League in the same season. So semi-final team was winner gets Bellingham. Final yeah. is winner completes football. Winner One of Lautaro football. or Julian Alvarez will be completing football in early June. Ballon yeah. d'Or awaits. The Ballon yeah. d'Or awaits. Is How is Alvarez? Twenty three. Not bad, isn't it? No, no, it's very much not <laughs> bad. Um, I would add that Inter have kept clean sheets in five out of the six games in the knockout stages. This is a very, very impressive rearguard. And yes, this city side can take apart impressive rearguards. We've seen that tonight. But I would be stunned if Inter don't give City a better game than Real Madrid did tonight. I'd be absolutely stunned. I think they can prey on some weaknesses. I think that their formation... Weaknesses? Tell me where these weaknesses are, Jack Collins. I I think the way that they play (laughs) will cause City issues. I I think that in... You know, you talked about it today. You talked about the fact that Real Madrid didn't have a player who was able to carry the ball uh, and make inroads into City's defence and open up lanes for everyone else. Hello. Nicolo Barella. Yeah. Like, and you can chip it over to Jekko and ignore the press and Real Madrid don't have that figure. That I mean, that is also something... Jekko playing to... against his old club as well. Um, you know, just a just an added sub-narrative for all of this stuff. And Matteo Darmian, Manchester United legend, getting in there and... <laughs> no, sorry, okay, one too far. All right, you've gone one. Yeah, it's one too many, <laughs> but it's, alas. Well, um, the point stands. I, I think that there are places where Inter will look at this and go, we can hurt City. And I think that they will provide 
a more sturdy rearguard action than what we saw tonight. I still think I mean, City will win this game. I'm not I'm not suggesting yeah. otherwise, but I think that it will probably be tighter than what we saw be. tonight. I mean, look, if, it could also be four nil, four or five nil. <laughs> like yeah, you, you really don't know. You never do. You never know. <laughs> but, is, it, um, is it one nil to Winter or four nil to City and nothing in between? Is that, yeah, exactly. is that, is that the early feeling? It might well those be. Are the, those are the gaps. Um, right, I want to finish this off by just making a point because I saw a lot of. Inter and Milan fans both raging at the referee last night for some of the decisions he made. And whilst I will contend that I don't think every decision that the referee made was correct, I would argue that I thought he genuinely handled the occasion incredibly well. In fact, the fact that he didn't give out yellow cards too early, the fact that he tried to let the game flow, well, the game didn't flow because there were about 30 fouls every three minutes. But... Generally, I thought he kept his cards in his pocket mostly at the right time. The Cherby should have been booked for that weird whatever went on in the box. Fine. But he let it glow. And in a game that threatened to boil over a lot, I thought he had a genuine firm control of it. And you know what? He would have probably wanted to get his cards out because it was his birthday. But (laughs) equally, (laughs) I thought he managed the situation really well. And I, I do think that when you have fans of both clubs raging at you, You've probably done something right. <laughs> you haven't favoured one or the other. There has been none of it. And the inter crowd were right on his back from the off, you know, for a couple of decisions that were completely correct uh, and went against them. And he got sort of just got on with it and, and didn't make it, you know, we talk about referees making it about themselves sometimes. I don't think that's necessarily fair uh, on referees. And I don't think people are genuinely looking to be superstars, Mike Dean excluded. But Mateo Mahoz excluded. Matteo has absolutely excluded. Fair enough. Um, but you, you kind of look at them and you're like, okay, sometimes it probably just gets a lot and there's a lot going on and there's a raucous stadium and the atmosphere is absolutely ballistic. And it's all just like, wah. But I just thought he kept a cool head in the heart of it all. And I wanted to give some credit because I'm often quick to criticise referees. I will be quick to credit them when I think they've done a good job as well. And yesterday, I thought that the referee did a good job and he handled the situation of... Adapi della Madonnina in a Champions League semi-final where the home team were already rampant and, and winding up the, the other end of the stadium before kickoff with pretty much, you know, pristine, a pristine record. So there was the one there was the one decision, wasn't there? Well, non-decision. The oh no, he gave it as a foul, which makes it all, all the more weird. The I think this is a relatively egregious where Acherby got nothing for stamping on Tonali's boot. On his toes, was it? Yeah. Mm. Um, that was a bit odd. The fact that you called that as a foul and then don't give it at least a yellow because he's basically just like, he's just stamped on him to hurt him was a bit weird. Um, I was getting frustrated with the amount of fouls being given. But it's not really the referee's fault that everyone kept fouling each other, is it? No. Yeah, um, it wasn't like he was and, giving and, fouls and, that weren't fouls. Yeah, they were all fouls. They just kept fouling each other. And so it's just it's the spectacle. And so, yeah, you're, you're probably right on balance that He's he's managed to keep a lid on it, and you know what? Towards the end as well, like those interplayers, some of them, I was like, "You're going to get yourself sent off, lad. You're going to get yourself banned. You're going to yeah, miss yeah, yeah. the bloody final. Like, what are you doing?" And again, you know, you don't really want to be doing that stuff. You don't want to send players off that is going to miss the final. Like, none of that stuff. So again, he managed to keep that 
Lautaro and Barella started got in a fight when they were both on cards. I was like, "Are you are you dumb? <laughs> what what are you doing? Like, you don't imagine, do that. That's ridiculous." Imagine if Inza got to the final and they had to play Manchester City and Lautaro and Barella were suspended. I mean, what what percentage chance do you give them now, Dean Jones? <laughs> yeah, that would be a five percent chance. But... That would be outrageous. I would never forgive them if I was an Inter fan. Grealish thought about it tonight as well. He got booked and then in the last minute, Carvajal went past him and he thought about tripping him and pulled his foot away. And I was like, you are a lucky boy. You're oh. a lucky boy. Carvajal really got under his skin, didn't he, over 180 minutes? Yeah, it was one that of those. Was, I was like, was Jack, please don't do that. Please. You've been <laughs> really good tonight. Do not get sent off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I thought the ref handled it very, very well. And now, boys, we have a final that is Manchester City against Internazionale di Milano to give them their full title. <laughs> um, it's, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I think it's good. I think it's. I think it's good. Like it's not what I planned on having. Um, no. Yeah, you know, I, no, famous, I, famously not. Famously not. I was envisioning, you know, City and Napoli or Bayern and Napoli or something like that. Um, and this is a very different kind of matchup. But this, this might be, this might be what we need. As you say, this is a, a potentially a bit of a kryptonite matchup for Manchester City if if things go into his way. Like they will need a bit of luck here and there. Obviously, they need to be clinical. But like they do have the kind of setup that can minimise Erling Haaland's involvement, that can skip over the press and not worry about, you know, running into John Stones and Rodri constantly when you try and dribble out. Um, there's a few things working in their favour here and it will be interesting, but it definitely is, it's not disrespectful to say to Winter and it, it definitely is the case. They need everything to go right for them. Every bounce of the ball, every rub of the green, take every mm. chance and you might need a bit of luck at the other end as well, you know, with the post and all that. Like We're talking about two different levels of teams here. Yeah, totally. I think to be honest, at, at some point maybe we get to the point that we're talking about Manchester City and everyone else as yeah. two levels of teams. They've just dismantled Real Madrid four 0 in the Champions League semi final. I mean, at what point? They, at what point are they just too good for everybody else? Yeah. Well, prove it in a final first. But yeah, 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 absolutely. There, there's that element of it. There's the fact that Inter have done this before. They've been there before. They've won before. Um, it's interesting that the two teams standing in the way of City winning a treble are treble winners. Manchester United mm. in the FA Cup final and Inter in the Champions League final. I thought that was an interesting one. Yes. Uh, one to consider at the very, yeah. very least. Yes. Um, but I think with that, we should probably call this a day. And all that's left for me to do is say thank you to everybody for tuning in. Thank you so much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Thank you so much to the rank god, Mr. Samsai. Cheers, buddy. I've been Jack Collins, Neighbor Files. This has been your Champions League takeaway, live and direct, straight after the Champions League semi-finals, where we've seen Manchester City and Inter Nazionale di Milano progress to the Champions League final in Istanbul on June the 9th. It's going to be a cracker. We can't wait. Thanks for listening. Take it easy, gang. Peace. At Kroger, you can find the highest quality products at a great price in every aisle, every day with Kroger brand. So you can stock up on your household favorites that are tried, tested, and loved by you. Because when you get the products you love at great prices, it feels like winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.